What's up, everyone? Welcome to Go. I have an incredible, oh, oh God. I have an incredible guest today. I have uh, one of my favorite drummers in the world. You may know him from drumming for Stevie Wonder. Ever heard of him? You may know him from when I discovered you, which was, actually, this isn't true. I was about to say a lie, live right at the beginning of the podcast. I discovered you because we met at my house like the day you moved here. Really? The week you moved here. You don't remember this? No. Oh, my gosh. January 2007, then. Yes. You and Brandon Brown and Kyle. Yeah. Came over to my house up Sunset Plaza and jammed with me in at my old house. Whoa. You don't remember this? I do Brandon not remembers this 100%. Wow. Maybe because you were in the clouds even then. No, I wasn't I wasn't oh. I wasn't in the clouds then. Oh, the, the clouds weren't there then. Yeah, they discovered I discovered the clouds out here. Okay, well in LA. <laughs> in LA. <laughs> Everybody who grew up with me, you know, I have always been like, go. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm live here with Stanley Randolph. Cheers, Stanley. Oh, yeah. Blueberry iced coffee. Blueberry iced coffee. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Right. Um, my mug of choice today is the Mercedes Patronus Formula One mug. Mm. Uh, Stanley, if you'll notice the mug that I gave you today, what does it say? It says, I like seeing you smile. Man. I do, bro. You know what's crazy? I have a quote that I say all the time to people, man. Um, What do I say? (laughs) (laughs) See, that's the weed coming in right there. (laughs) Um, Everybody loves to see a smile, man. Everybody loves to see a smile. And then up under I say, smile, bitch. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Keeping it Stanley. (laughs) Well, dude. You're one of my favorite drummers in the world. I also just love you as a human, but I'm just such a big fan. Ever since the day I saw you play, I was like, wow, you, uh, you are different. And I feel like the Stanley that I saw back then was like shredding. Oh, yeah. You were shredding like crazy. When Definitely. you were, dude, I remember one day I was rehearsing at Center Staging and I was in like Studio 6 and you were in Studio 7 with New Kids on the Block. Yeah. I felt horrible. I'm drumming with my group. I can hear you and doing all this shit. And I was like, oh no, he's killing the transitions. And I'm sitting here like, and I was just like, oh man, Stanley's next door. I can hear you ripping and new kids on the block rehearsals. I was in there with Christina Perry and I'm just playing basic pocket. And I felt, I felt so bad. You, 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 why though? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I, I was. That's what paid the bills. No, I'm kidding. I actually didn't feel bad at all. What I wanted to do is, and I kept just stopping our rehearsal so I could listen through the wall because I was like, man, Stanley is killing it in there. That band was smashing. Yeah. Smashing. And this is before Stevie Wonder. No, actually, no. Stevie came before New Kids. Definitely. It could have been Boys to Men if it was that early. Really? Yeah. Okay, maybe it was. I don't remember. Anyways, we're talking 12 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking. So we're both in the clouds. (laughs) Cheers. All right, Stanley, I have so many things I want to talk to you about. I was going to lead talking about Stevie Wonder, but we're going to get to that. So please be patient. But what we're going to talk about right now is the thing staring me in the face. Yes. You have a new hairdo. You know, man, I've been working. Look, I got my pick comb right here. Gotta make sure it's always evened out. It looks great. You know? Something I've been working on. 
It's my alter ego. Uh, I think you just combed the headphones, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> my alter ego. This this wig has a story though. No, oh, so everyone that's listening to the pod, uh, Stanley has a beautiful uh, auburn <laughs> wig on. Yeah. So please, no. it matches my coffee cup. Yeah, it does match the coffee cup for sure. <laughs> so yeah, what is the story of this wig? So you know, um, I'm from Memphis, and I used to work with this highly known group, Three Six Mafia. So I was working with Juicy J. And uh, we was in the studio, and I think uh, he only really know knew me to play drums. Um, so he would get me to do all the drum beats on the NPC. Um, but one day I just started playing piano and everything, and I actually played a record. I used to, you know, when I first got my first studio out here, I was very uh, experimental. So I was, like, singing and all that stuff in the, in the booth because no one was around, so it was just me. Um, and I ended up playing a record with me singing on it, and he loved it because it sounded like a sample. He was like, man, you knew Barry White, man. You should be Barry White. You should sit down at the piano and sing. And you know, he's like, you're Stanley White. That's Stanley he, White. Stanley White, bro, is what he was calling me, man. So, like, you know, just having fun and doing stuff that other people, I guess, wouldn't have the courage to do, like wear a wig. <laughs> you know, so I put it on. And I was like, you know what, man? This is going to be my alter ego. I'm going to call myself Stanley White. Oh, I love it. Stanley White. So when I put the wig on, that's, that's, that's who I am. Hey, ladies and gentlemen. Stanley White. Stanley, Stanley, Stanley White. Stanley White, you know. Applause. I love Stanley White. <laughs> so what's the difference between Stanley White and Stanley Randolph? Hmm. I guess, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm the singing piano drummer guy when I'm Stanley White, you know. I do all of the goofy fun shit. I guess when I'm just, you know, without the wig, I'm just a regular funk, funk guy that you know. I can't call you regular, bro. Ah! <laughs> The definition of regular is not a snare in between your legs with the snare off that you're playing like a timbali or something while you're playing your main snare to the left and you got your right here. You're not regular, Stanley. Oh, That's all. Look, all those setups are for comfortability so I can be comfortable so I don't have to move my limbs everywhere. You do look really comfortable when you play. But that's what it's about, though. Man. That's what, that's what it's about for me. All those, all those crazy setups I've had over the years is just... You know, people used to be like, how you got so many cymbals? Especially when I first got Stevie. Yeah. I probably had like 12 cymbals on that kit. 12, 13 cymbals. It was a lot I remember of your shit. big setups. A lot. A lot. Yeah. Um, but it was for me to be comfortable, man, so I yeah. wouldn't have to, you know. But now that I'm older and a little more seasoned, um, you know, I don't need all that shit. So. Okay. So the big question that I've never gotten to ask you, so I'm really excited. Yeah. But, um, how did you get the gig with Stevie Wonder? You know, it's really a, a, a shout out to Teddy Campbell and Chris Johnson, both of those dudes, because they were the ones holding down that seat uh, for some years before I came along. So um, it's really from them, man. I got a, a phone call and to show up to a studio. I thought it was for something else. I thought it was for like uh, to listen to some music or possibly just do a session real quick. And I was just chilling in the lobby and these uh, double doors opened up and Stevie Wonder walked through and he was walking along. Doesn't walk with anyone. Really? So people think he can see. But I know he can't see. Uh, I know. <laughs> no, but I even at that moment thought, man, maybe, maybe this dude can see. Maybe this is all just like a gimmick. You know, all these years is he, you know, has people thinking that he can't see. But Did no. he have a walking stick? No. <laughs> no he was just he walking alone? Yeah, walking alone. But it's his studio as well. So, so he just knows it inside out? Yeah. You yeah. know, he knows it. But he also does a... He does that a lot, so that the sound of that making the noise bounces off the wall. So I guess he can tell where he is. Wow. But yeah. 
He walked through the door, surprised the shit out of me. Yeah. And he went to the back of his studio. I was just still chilling in the lobby. Um, Chris was there. Chris came and got me. I, we went to the back. Um, we just jammed for like an hour or two, bro. And his, his studio. Just you and him duo? Yeah. Really? Just jam, bro. So the first time, so, okay, so you saw him walk into the studio, he went to the back. So yeah. then then what? You walked into the studio yeah, I walked and in. just sat at the drums. You say hi to him. Like, what do you? Well, I walked into I walked into the studio. Chris intru- introduced me to him. Um, and, you know, like, man, so many people do this. Like, you know, when you greet somebody, you kind of just stick your hand out there. And you're thinking that he's going to grab it. Cause he can, <laughs> but it's like, no, he can't see. So I had yeah. to put my hand in his hand, you know. Oh, you so, just went and grabbed t- grabbed his hand. Yeah, I had yeah, to, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. he can know I was there. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We basically, you know, he talked to me a little bit. And then, and then um, he had so many kids to choose from, bro. His studio, All set up? Yeah. Set up and ready to go. Key drums, too. Yeah. He got keyboards, pianos, roads, guitars, all this shit hooked up and ready to go. Ready to be recorded. So I just got on um one of the kits, which was an old Yamaha kit. It had it was that old gray pastel color. Um and they told me the heads haven't been changed since like late seventies. No way. The heads perfect. it was old, old uh vintage Remo. Wow. Um, you know, with the dirt on it and the tape. Oh yeah. All oh, yeah. on it, you know what I'm saying? It was You just sat on it and it was ready to sat, go. Yeah. And it sounded like the record, bro. It was the record, bro. Which then made you play a certain way. You know? For sure. I was like, "Wow, this is an old ass Ludwig snare. Old. Just old shit, man." So, was, did you start playing a beat and then he jumped in or was he already playing something? Well, he was already sitting at the piano, man. So, he told me to sit down and I kind of just like tapped the drums to see what they sound like and I yeah. was blown away. And then um he uh, started playing Giant Steps. Wow. Yep. Really? Yep. He started playing Giant Steps. We played that joint for a good 30 minutes. No way. Yep. Giant Steps. And I remember him having two big-ass ride cymbals. One big 22-ride Crash Zildjian and a big 24-inch ride uh, Sabian. Is this like a normal like record tempo of giant steps or is this a slower is this a funkier giant um, steps it was his vibe for sure yeah yeah you know what i'm saying because even with him man he can take it in any tempo like with me being him being with him over the years it's like we played it in the tempo yeah you know that was one of his uh i think it's it was a challenge for him um from what like some of the guys who, who've been around him forever they told me that he's always played that song like that's his thing if you want to challenge him or you know, saying go get be competitive. He's gonna play giant steps, and he started with it. Yes, he started with the competition. He started with that. He wanted to see if you can hang on that for sure. Because that's not your normal group. It's not. <laughs> and honestly, it was like kind of like one of my um. Well, no, I take that back. When I was living in Memphis, we used to shed to giant steps. Really? Yep. So you were like, oh, I'm so comfortable. Yes, in this. I we know used to exactly shed to giant to steps, bro. So like, there's even old videos on YouTube of me um playing giant steps. You know, with the homies in the church. Wow. Definitely, bro. So we was we was doing that back then. So you know, okay, so you played a thirty minute version of Giant Steps with Stevie Wonder as yes. your first time. You and him a duo. Yes, man, I wish I yes. could be a fly on the wall for that. And then what? And then um, he told me he was like, you know what, man, you got great groove. You got the gig. Then um, that's it. His, that's it. He had his um, he had his engineer to give me an iP- iPod. I still have the iPod to this day with all of his songs on there. It had to be something like anywhere between three hundred to four hundred songs on there, bro. And he said, learn as much as you can. We go on tour in two weeks. No way. Yep. And no. were you like, hell yeah. <laughs> Honestly, bro. 
And I know this is going to sound crazy, but I didn't grow up on Stevie Wonder, man. Really? No. Even being from Memphis and no, everything? No, I didn't. Like I knew I knew the typical songs that everybody knows, Superstition. like Superstition, Happy Birthday, uh, I Just Called to Say I Love You, you know? I, yeah, like, yeah, I knew yeah. those you records. You knew the hits. The yeah. hits. Yeah. Um, but Brandon, my brother, he was a Stevie Wonder fanatic, so much to the point to where it used to get on my nerves. Every time I get in the car <laughs> with him, he literally had a, you know, this is back when they had CDs. So you had the CD book. It had every Stevie Wonder album that he's ever done, every single, all on CDs. So, like, you know, he, he played a lot of Stevie Wonder's music. It was crazy. He would play the stuff so much. Um, I wasn't really, like, paying attention, paying attention. Yeah. I knew it was great. It was great music, you know. But I wasn't paying attention. Pay, I was more into... I was heavily on Dave Wuckel and Vinny and, yeah. and Steve Gadd and you stuff like that. You were deep in the fusion. You know what I'm saying? You I was deep, deep in the fusion. Deep I remember into that, that yeah. bro. So like, I wasn't really listening to soul and funk. And yeah. Stuff like, and even my mom, bro. Like, my mom listened to Anita Baker and Tony Braxton and people like that. So we didn't have any Stevie Wonder music in the crib. So yeah, when I got the gig, I called Brandon ASAP and was like, bro, I just you know, and, and people are gonna be like, you know, surprised, but I wasn't like. Yeah. Blown away. I was just like, man, yeah. okay, I got all this music to learn. <laughs> you know I got to go to work. I, yeah. like, I know this is a, a great gig to have. Like, my brother would be shitting bricks right now if he knew yeah. what I was doing, you know? So, you know, I hit up Brandon ASAP and was like, bro, I need your help. Like, I just need you to walk me through. And I know you play this music all the time, and I should have been listening, paying attention, but I wasn't. But I need you to walk <laughs> me through it right now. Yeah. Like, you know, like, the whole vibe. And, you know, I, I got the gig, so I... I need help learning this stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I remember I went on a tour, and uh, I didn't know everything, but what's crazy is even on the DVD, a lot of those records we play, bro, once I really, really um, understood what seat I was in, and I went back to listen to the originals, luckily some of the patterns I played were, you know, 90% right. Just by intuition? By intuition, bro. Yeah. And I really think it's from me sitting in the car with my brother and subconsciously taking that music in 100% all those know? years all those years yeah so um yeah luckily cuz on the DVD that was probably like my first month there literally we had just started the tour and went straight to London and recorded the DVD so you mean to tell me that when you played the first show and you play superstition in front of the crowd with Stevie that yeah. it didn't like hit you in the face well to be honest not 100%. Wow. I was more I was more nervous because he was actually the first biggest audience that I ever been in front of. Right. So I was more like I don't want to fuck I up. I got to get this. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to I can't like don't fuck up. Like do you know what I'm saying? One thing yeah. that he told me too before we really kind of like really got the tour going cuz he knew I didn't know everything. He could tell. He knew I didn't know all the patterns the right way. Yeah. And I was kind of thrown in the fire. So right. um you know the thing main thing he told me was like, "Yo, Play this shit. If you play it wrong, play it loud and wrong. Nice. You know what I'm saying? Nice. Be confident. Play it loud and wrong. If you know what I'm saying, we'll get there. We'll we'll you know we'll, we'll rehearse eventually because there was no rehearsals. No rehearsals. No rehearsals. You bro. went straight into the show. Straight into the show. Headlining in, set. What yes. ninety minute or whatever? Oh, three hours. Three bro. hour three headline hour show, show. No rehearsal. Yeah, because he Stevie has Stevie no, Wonder, biggest crowd you've ever played in front. Yes, of. bro. My first show was in Come Atlanta, on. Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia, bro. Straight in, no rehearsals. He was just like, play it. No just click track. No click. All live. Yeah. No click at all. Which is 
crazy too because you know you have such a huge stage with so many people just depending yeah. on you to be their timekeeper. So yeah, and a percussionist to you know, with. Exactly right. Yeah. And they're they're kind of close, but they're kind of not. You know, because the stage is so big and they have huge rigs. So like you know, Fosto's way over here and Miyungo's way over there. You know what I'm saying? So. So you did sound check. Yeah. And you did, and you get your ears right. Yeah, I got my ears right. You know what I'm saying? And that's it. He didn't go over any music in sound check because you know, sound check for him is a is a writing session. Oh, he likes we have, going. So imagine, you know, we have sound check for, you know, it probably started four PM. We'll go from four to seven, like a three hour sound check. We'll have like an hour, hour and a half break. And then the show is starting around eight, eight thirty. And that sound check is you guys improvising? Improvising, bro. He's writing new records. Right on the spot. Or he could have been in the car, you know, vibing to something or, you know, anything that he wrote in the studio. And he comes to sound check and he's going to start playing it. And he's going to start giving people parts. Play this part. Play this. Play this. He's going to write a song on the spot. I mean, we wrote a song. We wrote a song. There's a song we performed on the DVD at the very, very, very end. The very last song, I think. Um, he had just wrote that song that day. And wow. we performed it on the DVD that night. <laughs> wow, dude! <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, man. That's so that's so cool. So, do you realize that you have one of the greatest gigs in the world? I do now. Yeah, and you know, I'm not gonna lie. It took some years because even yeah. even being a drummer, yo, I wasn't one of those dudes that was like all uh, crazy about endorsements and yeah. all of that stuff. You know, um, like I, you know, I played Pearl drums growing up all my life. That's the only kid I've ever played. Um, so when I got the Pearl endorsement, I really didn't even know what I had then. You know, I was just like, yo, I need a kit for this. Steve is going here. I need a kit for this. Steve is going here. So, you know, yeah. I wasn't really into the, the business side of it. Like, yo, what I could do and how I could, um, you know, take advantage of, you know, my whole career as a drummer. So, right. um, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't just like really, really blown away. I knew I was, I knew it was a blessing. Yeah. I knew it was, you no, know, it was, it was greatness for me to be on the stage and in the room with these people or even be in relationships with certain people. But I wasn't fully aware, you know, I was more, I was, I was, I was more in awe of just like, I was happy that we left Memphis yeah. and moved to LA. Cause yeah. I just knew at Memphis, we hit a ceiling. We was doing all the gigs there. We was doing all the work there and we just hit a ceiling. So we just, we came to visit LA. That was my first time really being in awe. Cause literally the day we came to visit in LA in awe, no, it was in July of 2006. We came to visit LA. We came here with a church. Mm. Um, and we were staying in Santa Monica, yo. We was like, yeah, we want to find something to do. We went walking on the uh, third, was it Third Promenade? Yeah, Third Street. Third Street, yeah. So we went walking, and there's this club. Uh, I can't remember the name of the club. It's over there. Dang. But anyway, yeah. Walked into the club, yo, and freaking Victor Wooten, uh, Jerry Brown, uh, Ricky Lawson. No way. Like, all these dudes are just chilling here in this club, yo, just playing like it's... On Third Street Promenade? Third Street 16 Promenade. years ago? Yeah. Wow, I don't know what club that was. Uh, Harvell's. Oh, Harvell's. Harvell's, it just came to me, bro. Harvell's. Small spot. Small spot, yeah, bro, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, no and, way, they and we were, were underage. What? We were underage, yo. We had some per diem money from the gig, and we slid our per diem money to the security guard. We was like, yo, we're not going to drink. We just... We heard these cats play. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. but we heard great music and Brandon wow. Brandon called it. Brandon was like, "Yo, that's Victor Wooden, bro. I can hear him. I you know it." And we went to the joint and dude wouldn't let us in. We gave him our prayer money. Wasn't Brandon 
studying with Victor or something. Yeah, back he then. did. He I, did. I remember when I met you guys. He did. It was uh, like uh, when the three of you ended up in my house that night on your first week in LA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember uh, being introduced to Brandon as like, oh yeah, he's learning from Victor Wooten. Yeah, he was going to you know Victor Wooten used to have those camps out in the woods. You know, we would take yeah, all yeah, the yeah. students out there in the woods and they would meditate and become wow. one with the base, one with the wood and the trees and the grass and all that shit. So, man. Yeah. So you were just like, OK. So. How long now have you had the Stevie Wonder gig? What year was um, that? If you came here in 2006. Seven. In 2007, you got Stevie. We, yeah, we no, later. no. 2007, we moved here. Oh, 2007, I got Stevie, you came. Sorry, I was like around 2009. Like two years later. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. You had Boys to Men first? Yeah. Boy, I got Boys to Men like three, four months living here. So you that was the first big gig. Yeah. 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 Sick. Yeah. So But fun. they weren't doing like big no, they weren't doing big audiences. And they were in right. Russia and Indonesia a lot. They weren't really in the You're States. You're doing like clubs, theaters. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Casinos, Casinos. stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. it was that, that was a cool gig. That's a, you know? that's a, I mean it's it's a legendary name. Yeah. And it probably taught you a lot and you're on the road and it's great for you to It did. But I you know, I I, I I fucked that gig up too. Did you? <laughs> How did you fuck up Boys to Men? Well, see the thing with Boys to Men, yo, bro. We, we had this uh, MD. His name was Rex Salas, bro. Uh-huh. And Rex Salas is in the Michael Jackson family. He's he's in the family. He's uh, married to Reby's niece or something, or daughter. Reby's daughter. Okay. Um, and so um, we're rehearsing it, and Rex Salas, he was like pounding and pounding us in rehearsal, bro. We were like playing literally from. 10 a.m. to 9 to 10 p.m. playing Boys to Men music over and over and over and over. And I'll never forget, bro, we were in Miami and I had some homies come to the show. And, you know, Boys to Men at that time, they didn't like to hear the band that was performing with them. Yeah. They played to, they sung, played, they sung to a click track of a live show that they had did previously. So no you get, way. they have a click track of a live show playing in their ears and, we're supposedly playing live. What? So that was already just like mind blowing to me. Anyway, I was like, well, that's weird. Yeah. So I'm playing, man. And, you know, in the middle of the show, I'm texting some of the homies because it's like a little two, three minute break in the show. And I'm texting the homies. And he was like, bro, it sounds cool. But what I'm hearing is not what I'm seeing you play. Oh, wow. So, so this, they were, that was actually making it to front of house. Yes. So the whole time we were up there playing, bro, we we're playing and playing our hearts out. Me and Brandon. Brandon came with me. He he was on that tour with me. Um, we playing our hearts out, and I was like, "Yo, I'm gonna hit the kick drum and hit the toms. Let me know if you can hear them." And I hit, you know, in the middle of the show, kind of while there was quiet, I hit the kick drum and hit the you know hit the tom to see if I can hear the resonance from the front of house speakers, and I didn't hear anything. Oh my god! So I was like, "Yo, you got to be fucking kidding me!" They got us up here miming. And like, this is your first touring gig, your first yeah, big touring gig. My first big. Th- so you're like, like, is this normal? What's yeah, going on? I didn't. I yeah. was. I was. I felt so. I was offended, bro. Yeah, yeah. And I was. I was. I was. And they weren't off. telling you. They wasn't telling us. That's bro. crazy. I was pissed off because they really, really rehearsed us like hardcore. Yeah. You know, so I was like, yo, like, why all those rehearsals? Why all those hours? If we're not gonna even play for real? So in the middle of the show, when there's a drum solo. And people, I, I don't encourage anyone to do this. This is my mistake that I made, you know. Um, but in the, in the drum solo, I stood up and just held my hands up. <laughs> in the live show. Yeah. I stood up. There was the speakers. A, it's like, there's a whole drum solo happening. And I stood up and held my hands up, you know. And then at the end of the show, you know, I convinced Brandon 
You know, I'm like, bro, they're not hearing us anyway. So I convinced Brandon to get on drums and I got on bass. <laughs> and so classic know, mime games. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't do it. You know, if, you know, if I had a second chance, I wouldn't do it again. Now I would just definitely, you know, be like, shut the fuck up and get paid. But, you know, at the time I was just like very, very passionate as a as a as a young drummer moving to L.A. And I was like, yo, I want to play, man. I want to play. So like, why are we not being heard? So they, you know, they fired me right on the spot. Wow. <laughs> but then, you know, it was crazy is I ended up getting New Kids tour. Yeah. And New Kids did a collaboration tour with Boys the Man. I remember that. So, you know what I'm saying? We chopped it up and all, you know, everything became peaceful. Everything was cool. And then the, I actually really played their shit for real. Because you were drumming for both acts on that yeah, tour. Yeah, we, we were drumming for all the acts. They they help, kept having these collaboration tours every year uh, with all 90s, you know, big artists. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so when they came back that time, I really, you know what I'm saying, I got a chance to play their shit for real. And That's it cool. A, it was a big difference. Different MD? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah. So you So you got the New Kids on the Block gig, which then ended up doing the 90s tour. And yeah. then it was like, okay, New Kids band does everybody. Everybody, bro. Which includes Boys to Men. And then yeah. you're like, all right, cool. But I, it was cool. because I got I'll make love to you on the drums really goes. Really goes. Right. <laughs> for real. But, you know, it was cool because I got a chance to play with, like, all the hit Boy bands, you know, 98 Degrees, uh, Backstreet Boys. Um, there's a few a few others, but, you know, all the boy bands, TLC, Boys to Men, of course. Yeah. Um, so cool, man. Yeah, you know, it was cool. And, okay, so since, so then 2009, you got Stevie Wonder. Yeah. 2009. Yeah. So now you guys have been working together for, what is that, 13 years now. Yeah, 13 years for sure. All right, yeah, so you guys have been going together for 13 years, 14 years. So what is your relationship like now with with Stevie? Oh man, that's that's like you know my uncle. Yeah, you know what I'm saying that's how I see it, man. He he hits me up, which is great. He has his legendary studio, you know, what I'm saying Wonderland. Yeah, but he just bought this really really dope uh, studio in uh, North Hollywood, and it's like five minutes away from my spot. So Sick. like, you know, he's been to my my studio a few times, but now that he knows I'm literally right down the street, he hits me up to be like, "Yo, pull up," you know? Yeah, and come in either i'm just hanging just to kick it or you know what i'm saying he might create some on the spot we write you know what i'm saying i get on drums or uh i do some drum production or uh, you know anything just you know just collaborate i mean yeah. yeah you guys got over a decade together of yeah definitely yeah wow he must love you man oh man it, the, he must love you the feeling is mutual for sure that's yeah, so you know? cool so what's it like kicking it with stevie in the studio like what's the vibe what oh are you bro you know it's fun man. he's a jokester bro jokester 24 7 he he's the most chill down to earth dude you know what I'm saying that i've ever met yeah so a lot of people i know it's like kind of hard to you know for people it's kind of hard for them to get to him or you know st stuff like that but for me it's just normal like stevie is steve you, know, steve. <laughs> yeah. you know you call him steve yeah sometimes i do i call yeah. him just steve like yeah so it's 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 normal to me it's nothing like yeah, at this you know, point, oh yeah, yeah you guys. You know. I mean, that's a long bond. Exactly. Yeah. You, yeah. You you recognize the legend that he is, but all, I mean, you guys have grown together so yeah. much at this point. Like you're you, I have watched your style evolve. Oh yeah. Your drumming Definitely. style is completely different than 13 years ago. Definitely, bro. Stanley Definitely. Randolph coming through, shedding like crazy, Definitely, bro. bro. I remember Definitely. you used to blow my mind with your with your shedding, but now what's so cool, man, is you've developed this new sound that I'm sure is. Uh, a, a, a part of it is you being around Stevie yep. and in the atmosphere of Stevie playing yeah. hundreds, if not thousands of shows with him yeah. at this point, you doing duo jams with him that mixed with your natural evolution and, and you just yeah. growing. Yep. 
But now you have such a distinct sound that is Stanley Randolph that like everybody loves, you know, like yeah, everybody loves like, I don't know, just as a drummer, I'm such a fan of of your sound and what you've created. And it's so cool and unique. And I remember back then when you were doing New Kids, I was already a fan of what you were doing then, which sounded like you. Mm-hmm. And then now you're doing something else. It sounds like a completely different drummer. Yeah. But you've been doing it for so long now at this point. But like even like when we did VF Jams live together, all those things, I'm like, we've done the Jam Jams together. Uh-huh. Yep. We've done a lot together. And every yep. time I'm always so excited. 360. The three, dude, <laughs> the first one. Yeah. The 360, very, bro. Ladies and gentlemen, the very first Jam Jam at the house, at my old house, when we came up with the the real concept of the Jam Jam mm-hmm. that is what it is today, was with Stanley That's right. and Brandon Brown and That's the Brandon right. Brown Collective yeah. in my living room, in a circle, and filmed in 360, filmed in 360. Yeah. And that was so lit, man. And I remember, there's you can see me on camera because this is on 360, everything's on camera, but mm-hmm. you, can, you can find me and where I'm moving and I'm standing right behind you yeah. when you guys play What You On <laughs> yeah. and you do the fill. Yeah, and what you on and everything, mm-hmm. and you just see me behind you, just like yes, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just like Hell right. Yeah. And I remember just like man, because and that is why the jam jam is that way. It's mm-hmm. just because me selfishly wanting to be like I want to stand right behind Stanley. Yeah, man. Feel you play the drums. Yeah, you know, man. watch you from an angle that an audience can't see. I can't if I go see you play with any of the gigs you're on. You're far away. Even if I'm side stage, backstage is still far. You know, yeah. I was like I, I got to, I get to be like. Right there. Over your shoulder, <laughs> right there. holding your shoulder. It's like, you're doing great, Stanley. Right there. <laughs> and uh, and that was part, all, all that concept and everything really was generated from thinking of you guys and thinking mm. what I wanted in that situation yeah. and what would be, for me, just the music fan, what would be my ideal situation. So mm-hmm. like, so much of that came from from you being an inspiration. That's what's up, G. That's what's up. For real. That was man. a great, because um, I remember when I first saw it actually on YouTube, yeah. And the whole technology of like, you know, moving your phone and turning and you can yeah. just be right there anywhere in the room. Yep. The shit was epic. You I know, remember pe- that. People think we stopped filming them in 360 because mm-hmm. I think people it was just too we were too far ahead. Y'all hey, definitely Way too was, early. We were too that, early. That, it blew my mind. I have never seen anything like that on YouTube. I ever. think I think people think the market thinks that there will be this VR 360 massive uh, entertainment surge in the next couple of years mm. and Facebook's going all in on it. So when that does happen, You're that already, concert's ready to go, you're man. You're already ready, bro. You're already We're ahead. already ready. I already can't wait ready. to re-release that. Yeah. Um, I remember that. Dude, that's so cool. Okay, so now it's Uncle Stevie. Yeah. You guys are super tight. You've been together 13 years. Yeah. So you've learned so much from him musically, but like, what are some of the best or what is the best lesson that that you have learned from Stevie Wonder? Um, well, like I said, the best lesson that I, I still to this day do is just like, you know, um, one thing I learned from Stevie, if you listen to his records, bro, his records are not perfect. Even though we listen to it and it's a masterpiece and it's art. Yeah. You know, if, you, if, if you're trying to be the perfect drummer, he wasn't the perfect drummer. Right. But it was all feel and soul and, you know what I'm saying? And, of course, him being able not to really see, and he has to guess what he's hitting. Yeah, there's a lot of flubs and stuff in there. You know? Yeah, so I understand when he told me, like, "Yo, if you're gonna play it wrong, play it loud and wrong." You know what I'm saying? Because he's he played it loud and wrong on albums for years, and you know it's the saying? perfect and feel. it's the perfect feel. Yeah, it's all about you know it's it coming from the heart and from the soul, and and you know, so I mean, like I said, that's still one of my biggest lessons I live live by to this day. Plenty of times I've, um, you know, messed up. Uh, you know, like 
I probably didn't touch the drums for two, three weeks, and then I get on and I'm a little rusty or whatever. But even in that, you know, listening back to me play or whatever, it's like, yo, it's still magic in that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So so I, I, I live by that whole that whole rule. If you're going to play it wrong, play it loud and wrong. Yeah, because... You can put that into anything in life. No one's going to know. Yeah. Only you know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Only you only you really know that what you were going for and you didn't make it there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To anybody else on the outside looking in, they're like, oh my God, that's yeah, amazing. Look what he just did. And you know, plenty of times people said that to me like, yo, bro, you had an amazing show. And I'm like, bro, you just don't know. Yeah. I haven't <laughs> touched a drumstick in like two weeks. Yeah. You know, and I'm just now touching it right now and I feel the rust coming off right now of so, course you know yeah that's what i tell anybody man just be confident and play that shit play it wow play i it. love that i love that so much man. i'm yeah. thinking of all the different ways because it really shows what confidence does of course and just owning something owning it bro just owning it. owning it man yeah for sure that's definitely. amazing all right so what's your favorite song to play live with stevie Ugh. i'm you know what bro i like his b-sides you know I, yeah. we've, we've played the hits so many shows that you know they're the hits you know i get it um, but his B-side records, bro, like Ordinary Pain or Looking for Another Love, you know what I'm saying? Um, those type of records, Rocket Love, you know what I'm saying? Those those are the records that I'm uh that I love, the B-sides. Cause they really they really talk about um I guess his life. Cause Stevie Wonder done been through a lot of relationships, you know, yeah. with you know, different women and stuff like that. So like yeah. it, it he talks about all of that, yo. Even to the point to where sometimes he don't even like to perform it live because it takes him back, and sometimes he don't want to go back to that vibe wow. or that feeling. Or you know, he's what very saying? empathetic. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah. the guy will will cry right there in the middle of the show at any point. You know what I'm saying? Wow. He's so he, he's, in. he's yeah. exactly he's very tapped in. Yeah. Like, uh, like we just did a Christmas show, and um, um, he used to perform this song all the time, you and I, but we haven't done it in years. But he did it at the Christmas show that we just did last year, and. Like, while he's playing, he could barely sing because he just, like, you know, started going back and thinking about who he wrote that song about. Oh. So it made him very emotional. You know, he's a very emotional guy when it comes to his music, for sure. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So that, that's one thing I, I love about it. It's, it's real. Yeah. It's not, you know, some shit just put together. It's some real shit. You, you can know? tell when you see it live, even just as the concert goer, how he engages the entire stadium. Yeah. Which is so hard to do as a performer <laughs> yeah. in general anyways. Yeah. How he gets them in with just the singing and the clapping and the everything that he does. Uh-huh. And the stories. It's the listening. That's so funny because it's like he, he proves what you don't need eyes for. Yeah. And how the depth of his hearing, mm-hmm. all the way from walking into a room and you're saying he like makes noises in order to hear like mm-hmm. essentially where, where he is, yeah. where he is. Exactly. And then it's like a bat. It's so it, crazy. It is like a bat. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then all the way to jamming with you and knowing like, you know, okay. And one time jamming with you, this is the feel and the sound and the feeling that mm-hmm. I want you're in. Yeah. And then of course you continually, you know, I'm sure if you did bad on the first show or 10, you would have been gone, but <laughs> yeah. obviously you just went deeper, deeper into this is good. Yeah. Um, all the way to the audience, controlling an audience, everything he does is like all listening. So then I can only imagine being Stevie Wonder, writing these incredible hits, how big of a heart he has, how tapped in his mind is. Mm-hmm. So therefore, playing you and I or playing these songs, the visuals that must happen in his mind. Yeah. I of, wonder what he sees in his mind. Right? I've always wondered that. It must be so powerful that it can easily bring him right back into a situation where he's yeah. like, I can't even play that song anymore because yeah. I'm too there if I play it. For sure. That's insane. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I really do. That's, that's something that's crazy you say that because I have always wondered, like, 
you know, in our mind, we can we we can see stuff, so we can have an imagination and, yeah. and it'll look like something, you know. Saying, but what does a human really look like to him in his yeah. mind? You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. What does a dog look like to him in his mind? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. So like. Yeah, I've always wondered, like, man, what does he see though? Because yeah. I'm, I'm sure he dreams, or I, or I wonder if he dreams in black. You know, if it's, is it really yeah, do just you see black? There's no way you see black, because even if you close your eyes for a while when mm-hmm. you're when you're awake, right? Like, let's mm-hmm. say, even if you're uh, if you're smoking or if you take a mushrooms or a psychedelic or whatever, you close your eyes, mm-hmm. you're seeing a world, right? Even if you just close your eyes for a while and you even see light, I don't know, I don't want. Yeah, like a silhouette or something. There's no way he only sees darkness. I don't know. I wonder. I wonder if his dreams are really just sound. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Or what if it's just because if you don't have that sense, do your other senses just become that much more enlightened? Mm. Right? So that's why his hearing is crazier than ever. I bet you sensitivity, touch. Have you noticed like his touch? Oh, bro. He he loves touching. That's that's his main thing. He's um, impressed by a person basically kind of by what they wear. Because he feels like yeah. Because if you got you something cool on your clothes, like rhinestones or rivets or anything like that, you know, yeah, that's that shit. You know, it impresses him or it gets his attention. Yeah, because he can't see it, so he has to feel it for you know? sure. So, um, yeah. What about smell? Oh yeah, yeah. Now he's the one, the most you know, good smelling dudes. You can know when Stevie is in the building because you'll smell him. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I even even try to do that myself, like you know. I asked a lot of people, well, you know, well, his stylist, I asked him, like, what does he wear? Because that shit, you'll smell it. for. What does he wear? Well, I know he's he's he likes the natural shit, like frankincense and myrrh and mm. whatever he mixes with that. They wouldn't tell me everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do it's know, like, signature yeah, scent. you know, <laughs> it's some signature stuff. You for know sure. that's a signature scent. Definitely. But you can smell the guy when he walks in the room. Yeah. For sure. By the way, you successfully have accomplished that because uh, when you came over here today, I was still upstairs but when i came down and i opened the door i smelled stanley ah. i don't know if it was white or randolph ah. but I, I smelled it, it was it was randolph when i walked in okay okay when yeah. i sat down then i became white yeah you gotta have yeah. a different scent for white <laughs> hey oh hey that's true let's get it hey, that's true let's man. innovate let's build on that's this true we gotta go deeper do. into stanley white hey, for sure for sure bro definitely i definitely gotta do something like that round two cheers round two cheers blueberry coffee blueberry coffee stanley Salute. look into my eyes I love seeing you smile. Oh, man. Smile, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so let's talk about I'm in the clouds. Yes. I'm in the clouds, if you haven't yes. noticed behind the shot. So, yes. yeah, for all your fans, always noticing the hashtag I'm in the clouds. Yes, man. So what is I'm in the clouds? It's me being high as fuck, pretty much. You know, I assumed that. Yes. <laughs> but I didn't want to, you know, judge. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's me being high, but you know, over the years, it's, it it has a bigger meaning. You know what I'm saying? I want to do things so great that I'm as high, high as a cloud. You know, that I feel high, high in love, high in peace, high in success. You know, all of that. You know, it, when I first got into it, it you know, I don't even know honestly. I I really wish I could find the person that really gave me the idea because somebody said it to me and I just ran with it. You know, um, uh, but I was stoned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was stoned, and they probably was like, "Yo, man, you high, high as a cloud," and I just ran with it, bro. And it's just, you know, I'm actually turning it into a whole different business thing now. I'm creating merch, actually, and I would um, wear that. Yeah, you know, something. I would I'm totally in, wear that. I'm actually creating it right now. I'm a month and a half in. I've been doing a bunch of different hoodies. I got a bunch of different mock-ups. So, you know, that stuff is definitely coming 
out to Instagram to some, you know, all the platforms really soon. So it's gonna be some really dope shit. Though. Have you shot? Uh, have you shot? Have you thought about doing your own strain? Mm. Now there is a, a guy you know uh, that I am uh, currently working with right now, and he used to be um well he used to be we re- reunited uh, game represent representation representation ooh ooh boy I'm high right now. <laughs> Um, yeah, my friend Gary at Game, um, we reunited and we're doing some uh, more business ventures together. Um, he has his own company called Graybeards, um, and they create some really good, really good tree. Oh, nice. So, um, There's we're, your partnership. Yeah, we're collaborating. We're collaborating. Oh, I know Gary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're collaborating on um, getting a strain for the I'm in the Clouds brand. Actually, sure. big shouts to Gary because he DM'd me. And See, said, get Stanley dude. on your show. That's my dude, He's like, get bro. Stanley on your show. So shout, shout shout to, uh, out to Gary and Gary. Game, for yeah. sure. Game represent. Rep- he, he, sent, he sent me that, and I was like, oh, yeah, good idea. And yeah. that was when I texted you. <laughs> like, yo, what's up, bro? That is my guy, bro. He looks out for me all the time, bro. That's awesome. Yeah, so like, we had a lot of great, um, um, he was the reason why I did the big show at NAMM, man. Like, the, the big show we did back in, what was that, 2014, 2015, whatever. So. What show was that? Uh, we did the whole big stage at NAMM where I brought a, a bunch of different people. Oh, um, nice. I had the whole Stevie Wonder band. I had half an Earth, Wind & Fire band. Oh, I um, remember that. Yeah, you know, we did that. a whole big... He set that up or yeah. he produced it? Or yeah, he was he was the guy was behind the, the scenes putting it, yeah, 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 the plug, putting yeah, it together yeah. for sure. So, yeah, that's my dude. He hips me out with my whole um, drum career. We bounce ideas off each other and, and nice. stuff like that. So, yeah. I like... Yeah, I'm in the clouds is a great brand. Yeah. For sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the process of... Uh, finishing finishing up merch. Even me and Gary, we recently, two weeks ago, just had some um, ideas for the merch and that I'm incorporating right now. So it's going to be cool. Um, so marijuana plays a strong role in your life. I it does now. Yeah. <laughs> it does now. But what what is, yeah, what does weed do for you? Um, You know, let me tell you, first of all, let me tell you my first weed story. Okay. Because my first <laughs> weed story wasn't here in LA. It was in Memphis, you know. Okay. Um. I remember we was at a party back home, man. We used to have these uh, frat house. We we were like our own fraternity. We had a frat house. We called it the Five. So um, literally, it was right by University of Memphis, the the college. So people would literally come there before school, before class, after class. You know, people would skip class and come to our crib. We had a whole you no know, New Genesis, the band that I moved out here with. We had a whole crib. We had a few of them actually, um, and we would just party every day or whatever. So. Um, I wasn't really like a smoker or anything back then. I was more like drinking and everything. But a friend of mine gave me some weed, yo. I tried it for the first time. And this is when I first started driving. (laughs) So Good time. (laughs) You know, first started driving. And, you know, sometime my responsibility was to pick my little brother, my younger brother, up from work. And I'm thinking I'm in the clear. I'm at the party. He already knew I was at the party, and I wasn't going to be available that night. But for some reason, he was working, you know, and he could not get a ride, or he couldn't get in touch with my mom. She was probably asleep, knocked out of the crib. So I had to go pick him up, bro, and I had just got high for the first time. Oh, for bro. the first time? For the first time, bro. So I had to drive to his job, which was probably like on a normal day, 25 minutes away, but it took me like close to an hour to get there, bro. <laughs> Once I picked him up, and, you know what I'm saying, I picked him up and I'm driving. And he's like, man, what's wrong with you, bro? What's wrong with you? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, bro, you're driving so slow. He was like, the speed limit is 50. And I'm like, what am I doing? And I am and I look and I'm doing like 20 miles per hour bro, <laughs> on the freaking street. I'm driving so slow. So I had to like pull over and let him drive to get me home because I was like, bro, I just smoke weed. It's my first time like doing this. And I don't, you know, 
know what's going on. Also, I remember, you know, everybody has that whole first time smoking weed where they're sitting somewhere and you have a delay reaction. People are walking by, you see them walking by and it's like, you, yeah, yeah, at, you know, the whole, you know, yeah. so I had that whole vibe too, but that was, that was my first time, you know, doing it. Cause I was kind of against it after yeah. that. Cause I was like, man, I don't want nothing that slow me down like that, you know, but I moved to LA and got into the whole production thing, yo, was in the studio working, yo. And then I actually smoked some weed while I was creating and listened to some music, bro. And I heard shit that I had never heard before. I had been listening to certain records for years and years and years and thought I knew everything about the song. I got high and it opened up a whole new gate, a yeah. whole new world for me. So yeah, just from then I just, you know, it was it was steps because you know, doing being in the studio and, and getting high and making something is a safe space. You know, to get high before you perform or whatever is a whole nother thing, you know. So um it was it was steps to it for me. But you know, eventually I got to the point to where I could have a little bit of marijuana before I perform and it would definitely calm me down and definitely make me super creative while I'm on the stage to the point to where I wouldn't be like so stuck in the box. It was more yeah. like, man, I can be in the box and open the box and color it and, you know, add myself into the box as well, you know. For sure. And just so, be more present. More pre you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Definitely like it helped me remember parts quicker and had me like organizing like oh this is a this is b this is c this is a1 b1 b2 you know c3 whatever like organizing the whole record i was remembering records like that so yeah ever since then i've just been on the whole wave of you know smoking marijuana i feel like if you're if you're making your living off uh drums and producing and you're in the studio life or you're on the tour life it goes yeah, it's a, definitely. Nice, it's a nice friend. Definitely. Better than alcohol. It's a good conversation starter, you know? Oh, yeah. Better than alcohol. Oh, definitely. Oh, Lord. Way better than alcohol. Way, Way better. better. Keeping you safe. Yeah. Keeps you mellow. Keeps you chill, man. Alcohol, you know, gets people outside of their skin a little bit too much. <laughs> too much. <laughs> a little bit too much. Too Instead much. of making you just present. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It's the opposite, actually. Especially any time you can drink alcohol and then you wake up the next day and don't remember what happened. Yeah. Because I've had a few of those nights, too. That's bro. not a vibe. Not a vibe, not bro. Not a vibe. Not a vibe at all. What's the point of not remembering something? Why'd Man. you do it? People, I'd have met people who be like, yo, you don't remember me? We kicked it the whole night. We just... I was like, yo, was I drinking? I was like, yeah, you was, you know, we was taking shots. I was like, yo, I don't remember Aww. you or that night. Yeah. You <laughs> so. were probably drinking the night that you came to my house. Probably so, the night, bro. The first night we met. Because I was a drinker then. Bro, you don't remember that? Okay, let me paint, let me paint the picture. Man. So this, uh, so it's 2007. Yeah. Okay. So 2007, I was living in this crazy mansion up Sunset Plaza in the Hollywood Hills yeah. that my buddy owned. And then he had like five of his favorite people each take a bedroom. So uh -huh. I was lucky enough to be like selected to live like I was bawling, yeah. <laughs> but I had no money. I was drumming, you know, trying yeah. to make a living, trying yeah. to do my, I was on the, on the hustle. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was 22. Wow. I was 22, maybe 23 around that time. Anyways. Uh, and I was, of course, throwing jam sessions at the house because I've been throwing jams forever. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah. Then years, you know, 10 years later, I would start Jam Card or whatever. Of course. So, uh, and I was throwing a jam that night. And I don't, oh, I wish I remember. Oh, I rem Dude, I know who brought you over to my house. Who's that? Streeter. Oh, that totally makes sense. I made friends with, big shouts to Streeter. That makes sense. I made friends with him. This is, uh, yeah, 15 years ago. Yeah. I don't remember how him and I made friends. but we, So him and I made friends. 
amazing drummer if you don't know charles streeter yes and uh and he was like yo my friends are in town from memphis can i bring them i was like 100 percent. so you so the three of you walk in and it was on the second it was a three-story house okay i had two recording studios in the house we had Jeez. an elevator we had a pool and jacuzzi on the roof whoa crazy hollywood hills house man and uh and you guys walked in and so the studio that we were jamming in was on the second floor all the way to the right down the hallway at the time, I had a project called the Devil's Orchestra that I was like writing. I was <laughs> wow. really into metal. I was like, Nur! yeah, I was like deep into that phase. Yeah, <laughs> super. I was playing all progressive. Wow. Shred, I was shred, shred, shred back then. It was all about the shred. Yeah. Double kick pedal. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, and I had a, v, I had like a jam set up in there, but the drums were V drums because okay. it was like Hollywood Hills, and it was like you know 10 p.m., 11 p.m. I was like, we can't do a real kit. So yeah. we, Anyway, so like I, I jammed at first because I was jamming when you guys walked in, I believe. And then I ended up jamming with uh, with Brandon and Kyle jumped mm -hmm. on with me, and then you were chilling, and then and I was remember thinking like these are two of the best musicians I've ever played with. Wow! And at the same time, Brandon's got that smile. Yeah, you know, like everyone. I was just like the vibe was like I was just like oh these are my people. And then you jumped on my on my kit, and I was just like oh shit! Thank God I played first. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, and that was the night I met you guys, man. 2007, your week Jeez. here. Ask Brandon about it. I'm going to ask him about it. Brandon man. Brown remembers it 100% because I was literally like the first out, like call me an outsider to someone you already knew or whatever. I was like one of the first outsiders you guys wow. met. And Brandon Jeez. and I broke down in that moment. And Streeter was like my boy back then. He mm -hmm. was like introducing me to a lot of people mm -hmm. that, like, like that, I hadn't, that I hadn't met before. I remember he brought, because I was doing this weekly art and music event in Hollywood at the time. Mm -hmm. Streeter would come and bring, bring like, Tony Royster, yeah. like these kind of, and that's it. He introduced me to a, lo a lot of people when I was like, yeah. yeah, I was like 22, 23. That's crazy. Yeah. So anyways, that was the first it day we met. It definitely was Streeter because Streeter was yeah. taking us to a lot of parties yeah. when we moved here. <laughs> but you and I weren't close. You and I didn't really make friends until the Jam Jam and like, mm, and like right, and yeah. Brandon Brown Collective and the BBC and all that stuff. Yeah. Like Brandon and I like really hit it off that night and just hung more and mm -hmm. him and I stayed friends and we're always like talking. Yeah. And, and. It may have been because also you, uh, you, you were gone. Your yeah. career, your career, you went. Yeah. So I would see you around, like new kids on the block. I'd be at center staging next yeah. door to you or whatever. But like, yeah, w we never got our like time to like bro down more until like years later. Man, that's crazy. But yeah, but that, that's how we first met, man. That's crazy, bro. I do not remember that. Yeah, yeah, you were probably drinking. I probably definitely yeah. was because <laughs> I was married at that time. Oh, you were? Yeah, bro. I you moved, were married? I moved to L.A. married. Really? At tw What were you, 21 when you moved here? No, bro. We might be the same age because I was 22 or 23. I'm 38. I'm 39. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I'm turning 39 later. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was 23 when I moved here. Wow. Yeah, okay, bro. so I was 22 then at that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeesh. And yeah. you were married. I was married, bro. How long did that last? Ooh, that only lasted... I'm not going to lie. I got married in December of 2006. In Memphis. In Memphis. Yeah. And I remember coming here in January, bro, and literally at the top of February, I called my mom and I was like, yo, I made a mistake. Two months later. Two months later, bro. Oh and she was, you no, know, my mom's a heavy Christian and everything, and she yeah. believes in everything that the Bible says. So she's like, you know, you married her, and you got to stick it out. You got to make it work. And, and I did that for like two years. And wow. then I was just like, nah. I can't do did this. Did she come to L.A. with you? Yeah. I don't, I, know, I don't remember meeting her. I definitely would have did it a different way, you know what I'm saying? Because me and her, are, we're great friends now, and we were great friends back then. Um, that's why we went for the whole marriage thing. But yeah, I would have did it I would have did it different. I would have came out here by myself first. Yeah. 
made some foundation, established some stuff, and then probably brought her out and it would have been you know, better. But, you know, getting married in December and then moving to L.A. in January. Life where you, change. Where you're, you know, with your band members. It's five band members. And another band member got married, too. So there was two wives. So seven of us all in one hotel room, bro. Wow. For Are m- you kidding me? For months, bro. For months. You guys lived in a single hotel room? We lived in the Best Western of Sepulveda. No way. Yeah, bro. In Sherman Oaks. Seven of you. Seven of us, bro. When we first moved here. And then we finally, um, wow. one of the guys sold his house back in Memphis, one of the band members. He sold his house back in Memphis, and I think he got something like in between 50 or 70 grand for his crib. Um, he ended up getting us this two bedroom furnished apartment. Um, I think they used to be called Wood the Woodside or so, I don't know. It was some spot over there. Oakwoods. Oakwoods. I used to live in Oakwoods too. Yes, bro. So we ended up get we ended up in end up getting an apartment over there. Yeah. Um it's stupid expensive. Stupid expensive because it's furnished. I lived in Oakwoods when I was like eighteen and I moved bro. to Hollywood from from I was stupid in LA. Stupid expensive. So yeah. like we lived there for like six months or so. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, from there, everybody was kind of able to get their bearings and start getting their own cribs and stuff like that. But, you know, getting married and doing that shit, you know what I'm saying? No honeymoon, no privacy. You wow, know what I'm saying? Like, I you know, cannot imagine. It was just Did not, you know when you were getting married that you were going to move two months later? Um, yeah, honestly, I did it, bro, because when I came here to visit, yeah, you know what I'm saying, women used to be like a serious distraction for me. So, for like, sure. when I came here... Just to see all the women and all the stuff that was here, I was like, you know what? I got a girl back home. I want to come to L.A. and be focused. Yeah. I don't want to get distracted by pussy and right. shit like that. So, right. Let me lock uh, it down. <laughs> you know? So, you know. It didn't and, work. And we, no. Because <laughs> we were friends. You know, we were friends for years. We went to the same yeah. high school and all that. Um, so, I thought it was a good decision. But moving here, man. And she was popping back home. I mean, she was a stylist, hairstylist. Yeah. She had plenty of clientele. So, I didn't even take into account that, like, I'm taking you away from your clientele, yeah. from your people that come to you every week, so you're able to make fifteen and two thousand dollars a week back home in Memphis, which is crazy. With a ton of money. So, um, you know, moving to L.A. and taking you away from that, you know, and then she had nothing to do. She was trying to get work here, get work there, and it just wasn't working out. So she would be at the crib just chilling while I'm out gone on tour. Because yeah. you know, when I got here, like three months, four months in, I was gone. Yeah. So she was just here in L.A. with no family, no friends, and you know what I'm saying? So it was just like, you know, I understand it now, but back then when I was young, I was like, what the fuck? Right. You need to be hustling like I'm hustling. Uh, you know For sure. But she already had that back home, so she didn't, you know, she had took years to build it up. So yeah. to put that type of pressure on somebody um, to think like how I think, you know, or, or move like how I move, it was just frustrating. So when you got the Stevie gig, were you with her or were you I was divorced? with her, but I was gone. When I got... When I got Stevie, bro, my first tour with Stevie was six months. Yeah, that's crazy. That's and half it was a year. A couple weeks later, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It yeah. was two weeks later. Yeah, yeah. And then boom, I'm gone for six months. Yeah, you know. And then divorced. Yeah, I end up I end up getting divorced when I came back from tour. Yeah, yeah. The um, relationship was probably. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it was just like you know, we was we was arguing all the time. It was Man. so easy for me to ignore her too because yeah. <laughs> I'm over out. You no, know, I'm out the country, and I'm like, I don't even have to talk to you or answer your calls. I'm not gonna argue with you. Right. Yeah. So I don't feel like it. Um. Yeah, it was just all messed up. But, you know, we got divorced, and then a few years later, man, we actually became back being cool friends. So, Amazing. You know, like, she's she's a great friend, and, and that's what it is. So, great. I'm, you know, we experienced it, and, uh, you know, maybe I'll get remarried later. I don't know. Who's, we'll see. Who yeah. knows? 
Well, there it is. Yeah. Let's talk about your producing. So you've been producing a lot. Now, yeah, this is my favorite thing right now. It's your favorite thing. It's my right favorite now. thing. And what's crazy is I've, I've always been producing. Like when I first moved to LAO, this guy, <coughs> he was a huge uh, tax uh, attorney. Uh, he got this building in Sunland, California as a write-off. I'm saying he was friends with a lot of other professional musicians like Greg Gaines and David Foster. Um, he did their taxes and stuff like that. So he got the this studio. He built the studio where I had had just decked out two studio rooms with two bedrooms upstairs, a freaking movie theater, a freaking green screen room, a freaking white wall room. It was just took a warehouse and turned it into a whole compound. Wow. And um he owned these apartments that I was living in at the time. And I remember him seeing seeing me um, loading drums in and out the car. So he was like, yo, bro, you know, I see you loading your equipment in out the car. Do you, you know, you do music? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you produce? I was like, kind of, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm new to it. I'm getting, I'm a starter, a beginner. So he's like, yo, come to my spot, man. I want you to check out something. The guy brought me to this spot, bro, and it was, like, fancy as fuck. It was amazing. Um, he was like, man, you know, I have no one to use this place. If, you know, I'm trying to see if you're interested or whatever. So he put me, like, on a trial period for, like, two months just to, like, use the spot. It's my first time working Pro Tools and everything or even really, like, having all this equipment, you know, outboard gear, everything. So um, I'm in there working and everything. Like, he was like, yo, bro, you know, this is, you know, this is my kind of getaway spot. This is my, you know, tax write-off and place to get away from the wife. So he gave me the keys. He was like, yo, this is your studio. It was my very first studio when I moved to LA. I had that spot for like four years. That's where I really like learned how to like how to do it. Yeah, how to start producing and figure things out. So, like that was the beginning, and it was great for my band at the time. For sure, New Genesis. We needed a place to kind of like cut and figure out, you know, how to be a band and how to do music and everything. So, um, yeah, I've been doing producing for a while. You know what I'm saying? But it, it wasn't until I would say. Right before the pandemic, probably like the end of 2017, the beginning of 2018, where I kind of like let all the gigs go. I stopped touring because, oh, I'm going to have to go back. Because actually, I actually got signed to Sony with L.A. Reid and Tricky Stewart in 2013. No way. Yeah, I got that. Was, I had that studio from the guy. I started making music and doing stuff. Um, my, my partner, his name is Billy West. He also was still working with 3-6 Mafia, Juicy J a lot, so... Uh, Juicy J took him to L.A. Reid to get him an artist deal. So L.A. Reid was like, yo, who did all this music? Who produced this music? He was like, oh, man, my boy Stanley Randolph, you know, he has a studio. We we, we sat down to make all this stuff together and, and whatever. So he was like, yo, go get him right now. So, like, his manager at the time, it had to be like 8 o'clock at night, came and got me, bro, and was like, yo, L.A. Reid wants to sign you right now. He just signed Billy West. He wants to sign you right now and give you a deal to Sony and uh. I was like, what? So, you know, also that was one of the first biggest checks, you know, that I had ever gotten. Yeah. You know, tour money was good, but I had never seen a lump sum of money this you know, right. this big at right. once. So I was like, wow. So I I kept producing and kept producing, and then it was cool, but them calls to tour kept coming in. Yeah. So I would go on tour, and then L.A. Reid or Tricky Stewart would hit me up, like, yo, man, we want to put you in the room with uh, Sierra or 2 Chains or whatever. And I'd be like, man, I'm in Germany, bro. <laughs> so, like... I had that opportunity to be producing to, mm. to go that route, but I was on the drum the drum journey. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole deal, you know, did what it did, and I got out of it. Um, and then as it's, you know, as I'm getting older, man, it's just like 
I started seeing, you know, more opportunities for my younger homies that was coming up back home and people that I'm meeting out here. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be on the road. I've been doing, a, I've been on the road for like ten plus years. Yeah. You know, um, I really love producing and I want to be home and I, I want to be able to like just stay grounded and and the money from producing, bro, from placements and all this other stuff is just different. Yeah. So I was very excited about that whole journey. So I, I pretty much 2018. You know, stop the whole Christina, stop the Tony Braxton. New kids were actually at a point where they were doing track shows. So I was mm-hmm. recording their shows in yeah. the studio, you know, and they would just pay us off like that. And then they would go on tour. We'll, Send them know, off. You know what I'm saying? They yeah. would go on tour. So I'm like, it's just already that direction is starting to happen. So I just went with it. So I just let all the gigs go, gave them to my homies, gave them to my friends. And I, I kept Stevie, of course. Of course, of course. <laughs> Do you wish that you, in that L.A. Reed Tricky Stewart moment, took more advantage of oh, it. Oh bro, definitely. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's it's Is that a lost opportunity you think? No, not at all yeah. because I still I still made the relationship. Yeah. You know, the relationship is still there. I still talk to I don't talk to Ellie Reed as much, but I talk to Tricky Stewart every now and then. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. The relationship is there and it, it just it just showed me that um I can do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For that sure. Those professionals in that in that genre in that world they saw me good enough to be like, yo, let's sign this guy and let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, give, give him you the a, confidence. You know what I'm saying? Validating. Exactly. So it's, you know, as I'm getting older and I'm like, you know, I just don't want to do, you know, I don't want to be that guy yeah. going to his 40s playing with a 18 year old right. you know, artist. You know what I'm saying? Even though, it, you know, the artist might be dope. There is one dope artist I love right now that's young that I've actually did some shows with him and I will go on tour with him because the vibe is just Who's different. That? Steve Lacey. Oh, Steve Lacey. I did some shows with Steve Lacey. Oh, you did? Yeah, shout out to Rico. Uh, Rico Wright. Rico, yeah, Rico Wright. He got, put me on that gig. That's awesome. Um, I did some stuff with Steve Lacey. And Steve Lacey's blowing up right now. Yo, He's got his the Grammy music noms. is yeah. a vibe, bro. Yeah. His music yeah. is a vibe. So, um, But yeah, other than that, you know, I wanted to do my own thing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, all this work as a producer really kind of paid off more once um, the BBC. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I started off the BBC with Brandon. And we finally started really getting our music um, out the country so yeah. to the point to where we can go to funk festivals in Amsterdam and Greece and Switzerland, you know what I'm saying? So it just feels better um, to go do these tours and these shows doing your own shit. For sure. You know what I'm saying? It's, just, sure. it's, it's a whole different thing. It's, it's Don't get me wrong. I love playing for those artists and, and everything like that. But it's just like doing your own thing is way more beneficial. And God is, uh, is that the oh, main? Oh, man. Now God, that's my that's those are my girls, man. That's that's the new thing. So this is G A W D. Yeah, and it's an acronym for good ass women deserve. They're nice. freaking amazing. They two beautiful women that come from uh great backgrounds. You know, you have Alana Lindsay, her dad and mom are legends in the mm-hmm, game. Mm-hmm. They've played with everyone from Stevie, Rick James, uh Gap Band, uh, the list goes on. The whispers, like Wayne Lindsay has done a lot. Oh yeah. In the you know, in the music industry. And uh, what's her name? Oh, her mom's name. I can't think of her. Lynn. Lynn Fintma. Yeah, she's done a lot in the game, too. And do you have Elena Rogers, which her family, she's from Memphis, and her family is legendary in, in Memphis. And I, I really believe that they're related to the Staples singers. Really? Yeah, because her fam, her mom, what's crazy is her grandma <laughs> used to be my teacher, my middle school teacher. No way. Miss Staples, yo. That's she awesome. She used to beat my ass, man. She had these rules. You know, really? The, the long yard rulers. This is back when, you know, kids could get spanked in school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, for now, I was acting. I was acting. I was a class clown, man. So she had these rulers, and she taped them together, yo. And you, 
And if you wasn't Elena's grandma, Elena's grandma, bro, <laughs> so great, beat my ass. That's she not would, great. <laughs> <laughs> she would make us stand up at the desk and be like, yeah, nah, give us a few licks. She's just but like, no, fuck she, you, Stanley. No, she's a great, she's a great lady though. She put me on the on the, on the right path. But yeah, Elena wow. Rogers, she comes from a, a... Elena's gonna be like, that's what you talked about on the show. I know, right? Talking about, <laughs> <laughs> about my, my grandma, grandma beating your beating ass. Your ass right. <laughs> we love you, Elena. Well, she's in the picture back Elena's there. Elena's on the wall. She's on the wall, for sure. Definitely, yeah. We love Elena. Right. But yeah, you know, her that whole her family is legendary back home. You know, they they all of them are musicians, yo. I grew up playing with some of them. I grew up watching them play. Did gigs with her mom and dad um, for, uh, for a few years, so like there's, there's a connection there for sure. So that's awesome. The whole way that they came together, man, we all during the pandemic just wanted to get away from all the pandemic shit that was mm. happening, bro. All the bad news, COVID, people dying and all that oh, shit. Yeah. So we went on a trip to Joshua Tree and we just went out there for like a week and, and we did some shrooming. We got on the shroom journey and, and it was amazing. It was one of my best shroom trips ever, actually, too. So um, amazing. And we really wasn't even going out there to play, uh, do any music or nothing. We got an Airbnb to chill. Um, everybody was in their vibe and relaxing. And, and um, we just brought some musical stuff just in case, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know. Inspiration strikes. Inspiration, you know, you just never know. So I remember, like, waking up one morning, man, and I'm shrooming, yo, and I'm feeling the vibes come in. And I'm just like, the anxiety started hitting me. And I'm like, man, I got to do something with this energy. I got to do yeah. something with this energy. So, like, me and Brandon... Just went in the corner. We had a like a little setup in the corner, yo. We just started making records and making vibes. And the girls, um, just for fun, they were just like making lyrics and doing stuff. You know what I'm saying? I had my phone recording, uh, recording what was happening. And I remember I took it back to the studio and I listened to what we created. And I was like, whoa, this is some dope shit. So I'm like, I remember hitting them up, yo. We all came together and discussed it. And I'm like, yo. We can do something with this music, yo. We need to do something with what we got. We created this while we were shrooming. You know what I'm saying? This is some psychedelic, magical vibe. So, um, yeah, pretty it's much. It's really sexy, man. Yo. The music is soulful. It's sexy. It's yeah. dope. I remember when I uh, when I first saw it pop up on Instagram, yeah, during COVID. Yeah. When you guys announced the project, I was mm -hmm. like, this is something. It's really good. And they've been very yeah. successful, man. Like yeah. They went on tour uh, recently with uh, Anderson Pock and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. They so did cool. that tour. Um, they just opened up, uh, had their own open-up slot for Duckworth, which is another oh, dope, nice. dope artist. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, they definitely. went to Europe and, and everything with Duckworth and did their... So, and, and we also had a few label situations on the table, you know what I'm saying, that were experimenting with right now which is like and, and it's all happening so fast for them they're only so like cool. two years old as a yeah. group you know so well because it's there i mean they're also both like first of all the two of them are highly trained experienced yeah professionals definitely you know they've done how many hundreds thousands of shows on tour with all these different artists they've mm -hmm. grown up in it mm -hmm. so i think yeah it's only two years old as a project but they are so developed oh definitely definitely you know, and they're and they're working with you and everything it's like the the so I think that's why everything's coming fast for him because it's like when it, when a thing is there, mm -hmm. it's, it's there, it's it's there already. Like the first, the, my first glimpse of it, I was like, oh, this spikes my interest. This mm -hmm. is great, definitely. And I'm a harsh critic, and it's hard to keep my attention. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> for sure. And uh, and I remember I was just like instantly like, yeah, this is a dope project. Yeah, man. So I support I'll it. We should have them play at a jam jam. We should definitely, do definitely, we should bro. Do something with the girls. Yeah, we're dropping. The, they're dropping their first EP album. Um, at the end of the month, I forgot what day. It might be the end of January. Yeah, end of January. Um, 
So that's exciting. So we actually should I have, have a, him on the show. Have, yeah, that definitely, week. bro. Yeah, I yeah. have a session with him later on tonight. We're finishing up the little small finishing touches on the first EP, Sick. and I'm more second. I'm more excited for the second EP because the music has just been flowing. Yeah, um, send me some. I want to hear it. I got you, bro. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. you, bro. And it's it's just been flowing. My one of my other artists. She's a Latin artist. Her name is Polios, but she's an amazing producer as well. So um, working with her, she has been helping me create these really dope vibes for the girls. Nice. And the girls come up with these lyrics and melodies like it's water, bro. Like butter and water. It just happens, bro. So the second project is what I'm really excited about. Yeah. The first project is like an introduction, in my opinion. But yeah. the second project is going to be the shit. That's like I'm stamping that. Let's That's get gonna it. That's going to be the shit for sure. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm loving what's happening with God right now. Because there's a couple songs out right now, right? Yeah, there's a few songs. We probably got like three or four records out right now. Yeah. Um, what's the main one everyone should check out that um, you would say if they were to listen to one song? The main song, that, in my opinion, that really got people's attention was the song we did called Wink. Wink. Yeah. Wink. You check out Wink. You know what I'm saying? And also another great one is Wayside. But Wink is like one of my favorites for sure. So yeah, just putting look out the, for putting God. it in the playlist. Yeah, look out for <laughs> look out for God. Um, look out for God. I love it. I love the name. Yeah, I love the aesthetic. I love the sound. Like that's why it's happening. Cause yeah, it's like, man. Oh, this makes sense. This and makes it's still all in yeah. the it's, it's still all in the in the umbrella. You know what I'm saying? All of us have worked together on multiple different gigs. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's really a family for sure. And there's no ego. That's the one thing I love about it the most is is there's no ego. Yeah. It's easy easy for us to talk, easy for us to work. Um, you know what I'm saying? Everybody is equal. Everybody gives w- whatever ideas a shot. You know, you give them a chance, and we we figure it out. So I think that's why the music is coming out so great. Okay, a couple of last questions for you. Yeah. What makes you go? What makes me go? Yeah. How Man. do you stay inspired? How do you hmm. keep going? Honestly, um, all. Th- all this talent broke because I am so in production, so into production right now. All of the new artists and, and the talent and everything, yo, uh, that's coming out right now. Just just seeing the success of new artists and new people, bro, inspires me daily. Yeah, you know, being on social media and 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 watching and discovering the new artists, bro, when they were like, you know, right here at this level, and then watching them grow. And because I've been in it, I've done it myself as a, as a person. So to see other people doing it as well is just. It inspires me daily. It keeps me going, you know? Amazing. Um, and honestly, I, I don't know anything else besides music and, yeah. and what I do, bro. It's like I was born into this shit. And yeah. I've been here my whole life. This is what I do. So it's it's a motivational thing for me every day to wake up and, and just to discover something new. New music. You know what I'm saying? I remember when I first uh, discovered Crumbin. Bro, blew my freaking mind away. It's a vibe. You know what I'm saying? And I finally just like really, you know, got got cool with the drummer from that group. And oh, I nice. finally connected with him on social media. But I remember for like when I first discovered them, I was trying to like get their attention, bro. I wanted to give him his, the, the biggest props. Hopefully yeah. I could do it right now. He has the biggest props ever because um it blew my mind, even as a producer, bro, to see a person dynamically you know, play the drums or even produce because he's a great producer as well. Yeah. You know, to produce that, bro, and how it feels and how it comes out on the record, bro, is is it blows my mind. Is the bro. drummer the producer? He's one of he's oh, like, nice. I think he's like one of he has a big part in what's what's going on with the music. That's sure. awesome. But yeah, I love and even like the whole story, bro, like the girl bass player, she's not like this flashy licks bass player, bro. Like the guitar player taught her the yeah. foundation of playing bass and 
she plays the bass and it, and it's so simple, bro. It 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 feels good as hell. It you know feels what I'm saying? so good. It feels good, bro. And I and I love that the most simple things feel the best. Sometimes when it's like too much shit going on, it's like you know it's cloudy. And I kind of I kind of you know use that to gain you know to to compare with like people's uh personality. You know, like the way you play is kind of like the way you are as a person, probably. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh yeah just to hear that music. i remember when i discovered them it, it was it was amazing but yeah that's my whole that's my motivation every day i look for new shit to listen to i love it dude yeah well stanley thanks for coming bro thank you for having me man always good hanging with stanley you. and stanley white yeah we had stanley white and stanley yeah. join <laughs> us tonight for sure two for one episode two for one appreciate it man thank you everybody listen to god everybody god. follow stanley yes oh and check out game Game representation, for sure. Check them out. Yes, my guy. My G. Thank you, man.